0: It's Kevin Brittingham with Q, and this is the q and As 14th podcast. Um, I think it's November the 13th. Um, it's pretty late in the evening. Um, got my kids in bed, chilling out. So there's not going to be a guest on this one again. Um, we're getting a lot of questions now, so I'm going to try to address a lot of those. I think we're probably getting a lot of questions now because a lot of product is shipped and the shipping at this point we're really ramping production, so we got a lot of honey badgers out there, a lot of the fixed rifles, and of course the silencers, and there's a lot of questions. Um, so I want to try to address a lot of them because we don't spend a lot of money on marketing um, or any really. Um, we don't really do trade shows because the back orders. Um, so I want to address a lot of the stuff. we got a lot of new things going on. There's been a lot of innovation and we'll just get right to it. So I'm going to start with 8.6. So that's been the thing that I'm probably most asked about within the industry, um, with other companies within the industry, the military, uh, the commercial market, social media, everyone and just want to give an update. Really, nothing's changed since what we said um probably shot show 2020 so in just over a year from now it'll be officially launched where there'll be commercially loaded ammo available from hornady which is who we partnered partnered with yes partnered with um for the commercial loadings uh we're also working with discrete ballistics uh we're going to be working with some other companies that make brass uh, as I've said previously, we're gonna open source everything. So it's being submitted to SAMI, so there'll be chamber drawings for everyone. And we're just gonna open source muzzle thread that we wanna standardize for 338, because of course that's what 86 Creedmoor, or 86 Blackout, 8.6 millimeter is 338, so. um, Over this next year, beginning in 2019, there'll start to be things available, reloading components. We've gotten, uh, we've received a couple of shipments of brass already, prime brass from Hornady. Uh, Testing is still going on. Uh, We're working with them. They're doing the brunt of the work, honestly. Uh, We had the concept. Uh, They're developing the projectiles and the loads based on sort of parameters that we've set. When we're talking about subsonic and supersonic, um, you know, as I've said previously, we've learned a lot from 300 Blackout. We're trying to do a better job of introducing this to the market, partnering with the proper companies to begin with. And all the lessons that we didn't anticipate, that, that, that things that, the hurdles that we encountered and lessons we've learned and with 300 Blackout, we're, we're, we're trying to apply that from the beginning now. As I've said, and so that incorporates everything from barrel twist to bullet design to having super and subsonic available, it working in a bolt gun, a gas gun. And the concept again is why did we do it? What is this? 8.6 Blackout, which is what it's probably going to be called, is just that. Um, 300 Blackouts Big Brother for 308, you know, short action based guns. So it's a 6.5 Creedmoor case, shortened up. Um, to a proper length where long subsonic bullets can be loaded and it fits an SR25 AR10 magazines and feeds in a gas gun and a bolt gun super subsonic flawlessly on a gas gun locks open on the last round uh, locks open with subsonic out of a 12 and a half inch barrel so I and and that's what we're building the ammo for designing it all around just like blackout was done around a nine inch barrel this is a legitimate medium game, well, I'll say large game, uh, hunting cartridge out to 300 yards with supersonic. And we're hoping to get the accuracy to where, with the subsonic, we can hunt at those ranges as well with it. Um, supersonic ammo out of a 12 and a half inch barrel is going to be 2,500 feet a second. Uh, Probably 135 grain, maybe, as light as that. And that'll be even faster, up to 180 grain or so. Subsonic's going to be a 250 grain to a 350, 60 grain expanding subsonic, both lead and copper bullets. Um, Excuse me. We'll see what Hornady brings to the table. I I bet it's going to be something like the Sub-X bullet that they've got, which is a lead bullet, a copper jacketed lead bullet that they have for 300 blackout already. Uh, I imagine there'll be solid coppers and super and subsonic, both from Hornady and hopefully subs from discrete ballistics, as well as other companies. Um, you will be able to load existing 338 bullets, projectiles. So that's going to be cool. Uh, people will be able to experiment. I mean, there's not as many 338 bullets available from various companies as there is 30 cal, but there's still a lot out there. Uh, What we've seen so far, one thing we're doing is a lot of people have heard us talk about uh, super fast twists. So we're going to test all the way down to one-in-one twist. The initial testing has been with one-in-three, which is incredibly fast. But uh, the reason you want to do it is to get accuracy out of the subsonic. And you also get rotational energy, which also translates to terminal ballistics or energy on target, just more energy in general Uh, because there's linear and then there's rotational, so we're upping the rotational. Uh, Some of the bullets that were designed for supersonic for a 1-in-12, 1-in-10 twist aren't going to survive being spun that fast, and uh, we've spun some bullets apart already, but everything, once we settle on this, everything that's offered in subsonic and supersonic will tolerate the fast twist. Uh, We get a lot of questions about supersonic is people some people are uh, believe that there is it's detrimental to supersonic and it's not spinning a supersonic bullet fast small bullet doesn't matter basically if you have big long slow bullets you need to spin them faster or have a much longer barrel uh, for them to be stable um, exiting the muzzle it doesn't hurt supersonic all you get is more energy which is nice uh, we did it to be able to. Um, have a short barrel, and now with the pistol braces that are available, bolt action with a short barrel and a pistol brace makes a lot of sense. If uh, you hunt East Coast um, or relatively close ranges, you'd be able to shoot grizzly bear with this cartridge. You're going to get more muzzle energy out of a 12 and a half inch than you will, um, you know, 16 to 20 inch 308s, depending on your load. So the cartridge is very, very promising accuracy is gonna be superb Um, I would love to say what it is but we won't know till we get everything finalized so we've already we're already shooting good groups that I'm satisfied with for what we're trying to do with the cartridge Um, you know this isn't a thousand meter cartridge and that's not the way we're viewing it Um, silencers for the 86 so you got to have a 338 bore silencer so 30 caliber silencers are not gonna work our silencer for this is going to incorporate a cherry bomb, but it's going to be a little larger than what we offer now. Now, like I said, we're going to standardize the 338 muzzle threads. We are also going to, the silencer will be similar to like a, the Thunder Chicken that we offer now. It's going to be inch and three quarter tubeless titanium. It's just going to be a larger bore and the rear mount is going to be different to adapt to this larger interface with a larger cherry bomb. Now we will offer these cherry bombs for 338 with a 5H24. So you'll be able to use this silencer on your 30 caliber rifles if you want to be able to do a couple things with it. Uh, Another question we've had with it. So there will be gas guns. There will be bolt guns. We will be doing it in the fix. It's not the mini fix. It's the full size fix. Takes 308 mags. Gas guns. Uh, We're possibly going to offer a gas gun initially, and we may not. We may just partner with Novesky and a few other uh, companies out there that make good products. that will let us, you know, have some input on what they're going to do to make sure it represents what we're trying to achieve with the cartridge. And, you know, in the end, the best product for the the company and the best product for the customer. Uh, so, So we'll probably have those. But, you know, listen, we want Ruger, Smith & Wesson you know, SIG everyone to build guns in this. Uh, So that's why we're going to make it readily available. Muzzle drawings on our website that your gunsmiths will be able to have. uh, You know, for instance, if you buy a Remington 700 receiver, you'll be able to build a gun in this. You know, we have a chassis coming out uh, for Remington 700 base guns. And, you know, if you don't want ours, get someone else's just still, Build a gun in this cartridge, shoot it. If you like shooting through your blackout, you like shooting with silencers, you like compact guns, um, that have, a, a, a you know, with cartridges, a lot of energy or the ability to shoot silently, this is going to be a fun, fun cartridge. Uh, gas guns, adjustable gas block. Yeah, you'll be able to use adjustable gas block. Our gas block on the Honey Badger is adjustable, um, we set the honey badger from the factory to cycle with super and subsonic ammo. Um, you know, and the reason it needs to be adjustable is if you if really, if you're going to shoot all su- subsonic, then you can open up the gas port. If you're going to shoot all supersonic, you can close the gas port a little bit. Um, we we shoot them and set them at the factory, and it's nice to have an adjustable gas block. If you with this 86 cartridge in 300 blackout you're covering a very wide range of things when you're talking about a supersonic rifle cartridge all the way down to a subsonic cartridge which would you know generally is about like uh some of the pistol rounds you know 300 blackout subsonic and nine millimeter subsonic really the difference is you have a bullet that weighs twice as much with 300 blackout and you know it's a better shaped bullet you can shoot it farther uh so it's Gives you a, the ogive's different the shape. It, it's better for a longer range. But other than that, as far as the energy with the subsonic, it's a pistol caliber silencer works on them. Uh, uppers, are we going to produce uppers for this? You know, I don't know. We may produce uppers, but you know, it's one good thing about the M4 is there's there's a standard out there and there's a mill standard and we can produce uppers and barrels and things that that match up with most guns. With the SR25s and AR10s, there's really not a standard. So this becomes a bit more difficult. Um, So this may lead to us doing our own gun or partnering with a company to produce a gun. You know, what I wanna see with all of these things is we produce the very best thing we can um, and bring it at 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 a good value, a reasonable price. But sometimes, you know, like we can't build the fixed rifle for $800. So I want to see Ruger All-American. I want to see the Tika. I want to see Browning, um, you know, all these other companies, uh, Savage, Load, uh, build guns in these cartridges. So that, you know, a guy that can't afford a $3,000 gun can still get involved with this. Um, Priorities when we develop the cartridge. That was a very good question someone asked. You know sometimes this is a moving target priorities for us were based again on 300 blackout and what we learned we wanted super and subsonic to function out of a gas and a bolt gun we wanted to design and build the ammo and the concept around a short barrel but get the energies that we can get with 308 and the short action short action cartridges out of longer barrels uh, we knew this would be a relatively short range. You know, this isn't 6.5 Creedmoor where you can shoot, you know, 12, 1500 meters. This is going to be a shorter range cartridge, uh, but be very practical. I think one thing that Q has sort of evolved into is we're trying to be very innovative. And I, I think it's in the nature of the group that we have this time, which is very exciting to me. Um, we're We're really trying to be innovative, but we're also we're trying to do things that are very practical. Um, you know, like I think the Fix and the Honey Badger are probably two of the most practical guns that you can buy. You know, the Fix is a lot of money, it's $3,000. I think it's generally the best value in a gun store. There's so much innovation technology into that, the guns are very expensive to build. It cost me millions of dollars for us to develop it over, over the course of the last couple years. years. Um, and I'm, it's the thing I'm probably most proud of. The gun is incredible. And Nick Schaffer, who is, um, he's the lead engineer on that project. He uh, works with Ethan and, and Brian, the other, the other engineers. Um, but, you know, internally, the fix is Nick's gun. Uh, you know, there's probably six of us that worked on the gun together. It's definitely a team effort, but it's his gun. But the gun is very practical, whether you're hunting elk or whitetail you know, or you're just riding around your ranch in your truck, um, target shooting. It, you know, I just went to Africa with the gun and was able to take a couple calibers with me. Um, the gun is so handy stalking because it's so lightweight. You can fold the stock, so it makes it easy to carry. And, and I think that goes with this cartridge. 8.6 is not going to be a niche cartridge, it's going to be mainstream. I predict eventually it's going to be more mainstream than 300 Blackout. 300 Blackout is, is a great cartridge. It's a lot of fun, but you can do a lot more things. You know, you can kill bigger bigger animals w- with this 8.6 cartridge. So that's very exciting to me. Um, let's see. What do we have next? Oh, that's pretty much it for 8.6. Uh, the Honey Badger is the next thing, and there's more questions for it. So, the Honey Badger. Does it have an adjustable gas block yes it does why well because again we're trying to cover everything from supersonic rifle to subsonic rifle and that's a that, that's a pretty broad horizon um a big window when you're talking about that you, you know when you develop a handgun nine millimeter just nine millimeter pistol ammo that's a real chore to get a gun to cycle with the majority of those but if you have a cartridge that's 2,500 feet a second all the way down to something that's, you know, double the bullet weight and 900 feet a second, it's hard to get a gas gun to cycle with all that. So the adjustable gas block allows you to to really cheat, let's say, or cater it to one cartridge or the other. Um, our adjustable gas block, we try to keep everything very simple, very lightweight. Um, it's one thing I don't like about 308 and traditional short-action guns or SR25s—they get very heavy. I want an 8.6 gun with a 12 and a half-inch barrel that weighs six pounds. Um, we'll see if we can get there. So with the gas block, the gas block is a set screw as the adjustment, which is nothing new, but it's got a, a larger set screw behind it that's kind of like a jam nut that just uh, keeps it from backing out. So it's a very simple design very easy to adjust, but it's not, you know, a lever and a bunch of parts, and this is how you start getting the thing heavy, which leads me to another question was about AMB controls. Why don't we put them on the Honey Badger? The Honey Badger was actually designed for the military, for a SOCOM unit. It was designed to replace the MP5SD, and that's why I always compare it to the MP5SD and the pistol caliber carbines, because it really made it obsolete. So there was no AMBI requirement for that, and it was actually called the low-visibility assault weapon. And low visibility meaning low visibility. The, the gun's not bulky. The gun's not heavy. The gun doesn't have a lot of extra stuff on it. And so I, I feel that with the Honey Badger, we're going to stay true to that. You know, and I think it's cool that Noveski with their Ghetto Blaster or their N-4 PDW, um, they've put the AMBI features and all on that gun, But, you know, before you know it, you've added a pound to the gun. People think, well, a pound's not a lot. Not a a lot Uh, weight difference. Well, pick both those guns up, and, and, you know, I I contend that it is a huge weight difference. Adding a pound to a gun is a lot. And we're not trying to be a do-all with the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger is very practical. It's a great hunting rifle. It's great for home defense. It's great for military, law enforcement. Um... You know for me, it's a very practical gun, uh, lightweight, compact, easy to carry, easy to shoot. Um, I don't need ambi controls on that, and I don't think we're going to put them on it uh, again. There's other companies that do that, and that's that's great. And if that's what you're into, then you know, this might not be the gun for you. Um, one in five twist, yes. Uh, we did one in five early on, we did it at SIG. And then we've done it at Q for 300 blackout, one in five twists, which is faster than normal. Uh, You really need the faster twists on the shorter barrels with subsonic ammo with heavy bullets. Uh, One in seven is all right. One in eight with a short barrel, maybe not great with some of the heavier bullets. If you have a 16 inch barrel, it's fine. Is it too fast for supersonic? No, it doesn't affect supersonic, except it gives you more energy. Uh, are we going to do a honey badger in a nine inch barrel? You know, I don't think so. We don't have any plans to, I don't really see the reason to do it. Yeah. You get a little more range, but the seven inch is very good. I don't really like going below seven. I think the five inch, like the Sig rattler is too short. You don't get, you know, unless you're shooting someone within 10 feet, you just don't get the performance out of the ammunition. So I think it's too short. Um, you know, there was a requirement for that gun when they built it, and it makes sense because it fit into that requirement. But for commercial use, I would want a couple more inches on that barrel. But again, like, that gun's heavy, so do I want a couple more inches on that gun? I don't know. Uh, but if we were going to go with a longer barrel, it seems like 12 and a half Probably makes more sense for us than a 9-inch barrel. Just adding 2 inches I don't think is going to give you a whole lot more. But if we went from 7 to 12 and a half, you're getting a lot more range. The, the the reason you want to go with a longer barrel with Render Blackout is to be able to shoot things farther. That's the only reason. A California-compliant Honey Badger. Yes, we promised it and we are going to do it. We didn't anticipate the backlogs and the popularity of the Honey Badger, honestly. I thought 500 of you would buy Honey Badgers and this whole thing would be over. I would build a couple for myself. I'll, the employees at Q would get one. My son would get one and that would kind of be it. Um, We've shipped a lot of Honey Badgers already. Um, We probably sell more than 500 every couple weeks of the, the pistol version. And the back order now is seven months or so. So there's no reason for us to even consider doing a New York, Massachusetts, Illinois, California, any weird variant right like that right now. if we get to a point where we can get production, you know, closer to meeting the demand, then, you know, a California one makes sense. Like I would love to ship guns into California, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to do it right now. It's kind of a why bother. Uh, barrels are b- barrels going to be available, and you know by the time I don't know this is edited and published, which will probably be a week or so, but um, barrels will have been available. We actually uh, opened up the ordering for barrels today, and I think we start shipping them tomorrow. So it's the honey badger barrel. Um, comes with the gas block and gas tube, the gas block jam nut. Does not come with a cherry bomb or thread protector. It's a seven-inch stainless steel 5R barrel, 5 um, h twenty-four muzzle threads with our muzzle taper on it. Um, I think they're three hundred fifty dollars, uh, which is a it's a pretty good deal, um, in my opinion. And I think today we sold out of the first. I don't know how many. We maybe just had a hundred together, but. I think we sold out of those within an hour or so, so I imagine it's going to be pretty popular. Um, Will we sell receiver sets for the Honey Badger? No, we will not sell receiver sets. We are going to sell upper, barreled uppers with handguards on them for people, um, Honey Badger uppers. You know, that would be for people who want an extra or want a spare. It will also fit on a mill standard lower. Um, if people have a 16-inch barrel, they want to SBR it, this is a good option for them. And the reason we're not going to sell receiver sets is I don't want people building junk on Q receivers. Um, that's it, you know. I would rather sell guns right now. And I want to control uh, what... You know, what a Q gun looks like, what it's built with, the quality control, of the parts that are selected. Uh, so I don't ever see us selling receiver sets, just like you're not seeing HK416 receiver sets. Uh, I don't think Knight's Armament does. Maybe Knight's does, but I would hope not. But maybe they built, sell receiver sets. Um, you know, we're not trying to be spikes tactical or... Um, these other companies, and there's nothing wrong with that, because I know, like, Naveski builds great guns. They also sell receiver sets. You know, I I say we're never going to do it. Reserve the right to change my mind. Um, Why no pistol with long handguard and silencer? Uh, You know, we're just not there yet. We don't have that many skews. I'm trying to cut the skews down. I really just wanna build the Honey Badger pistol, but I love the 2 tax stamp Honey Badger. So we're gonna build that for 2019, but it's gonna be a 2 tax stamp gun. Maybe eventually we'll sell it with the arm brace, but not right now, and I don't know that I have a better reason than what I just gave you. Uh, you know, skews for us, when we have 40 Honey Badger skews, and I gotta have like four more people that just handle all that stuff. And right now, those those aren't the people that I want to hire. That's not what I want to do with business. I want us to continue to innovate new product and focus on production of the existing products and try to cut down the back order while maintaining the very best quality that we can. So that's a pretty delicate balance. And those are sort of my goals with the company for right now. And like I said, uh, we got a good team right now and everybody's on the same page. So we're going to try to leave it that way. And, you know and I think the back order source speaks to it we've got a pretty soft market right now with firearms AR15s and that sort of stuff and we have back orders that are months and months and months uh, long right now but hey again one way that you can skip the backlog is you you make buy a gun make an appointment with Tori at uh, Tori at com you schedule a customer build day, you come build your gun, you skip the line. Your gun ships to you within a week, ships to your dealer. So, um what's next? Uppers. When are we going to sell Honey Badger uppers? I don't I don't really know. I think it'll be sometime probably within the next month or so, but some of it kind of depends it, if We don't have, uh, receivers have been a bit of a bottleneck for us. So if we don't have extra upper receivers to, you know, beyond the guns that we're building, then we're not going to, then we're not going to sell uppers. Once it's not a one-to-one ratio where we're getting more uppers than lowers, then it makes sense for us to sell uppers. Or if we get a month where we, you know, are out of lowers, we don't have triggers. If there's some other thing that's holding up, Uh, the lower, you know, the stock or something like that, then maybe we'll sell uppers. Keep an eye on the website. Sign up for the email notifications. I don't like giving timelines because I don't know because everything just changes pretty rapidly. Uh, You know, we're still a startup, so uh, we're doing the best we can with that. How much are they going to be? I don't know how much they're going to be, honestly. It seems like we looked into the pricing some months ago and we thought we were going to have some available, but then didn't happen, so I don't remember what that was. Uh, The mega badger, are we going to do a big honey badger in um, 308.86? Maybe. I thought two months ago it was definitely no, but I think it's a maybe now. Um, Some new opportunities have kind of presented themselves. The idea to, you know, do some collaboration with industry. Or um, acquire a company that already builds a 308 base gun. Um, we'll see what happens. How do I zero my Honey Badger? I zero, if I know I'm going to be shooting subsonic, I, I zero for 50 with it. I zero 300 blackout with a short barrel at 100. Um, th- that's generally how I zero the honey badger accuracy you can get one moa out of the honey badger right now with a one in five you can shoot two moa with the subsonic at 100 you can shoot one with the super with the right ammo and conditions and everything it's not you know i generally even i shoot groups with mine because it depends on the optic too like i generally don't have anything more powerful than a six power on mine so i I generally will shoot uh groups or accuracy at 50 because of that, um, and that's just my own personal limitation with being able to shoot with the optics that I generally have on it. That's not that you know the gun's limitation, or that probably most of you shoot better than me. So you could you know do that at a hundred and be more comfortable with it. Uh, hunting with subsonics. What's my opinion on that? I, I've killed not a ton of stuff, but a fair amount of stuff with subsonic expanding bullets, with three hundred, um, with with various barrel lengths. You know, it, it all depends on the range, your comfort level, and and the twist that you have, making sure that you're stabilizing the bullets that you're using, and that you're getting good accuracy. If I know I can shoot 2 MOA, I'll shoot a deer at 100 with subsonics. Uh, I've killed some stuff with the Lehigh bullet. I've killed some stuff with discrete ballistics, and I shot something recently with the Hornady Sub-X. I've, uh, most of those shots have been between 25 and 75 yards, but I, I have uh, shot some pretty decent white tail and dropped them with it. Um, you know, for those especially, I like the chest shot on a white tail with the subsonics. Um, sometimes that requires though, you know, if you're hunting from the ground to ground blind or something, um, not to say you can't do it anywhere. That's one exciting thing about the the 8.6. The 8.6 is going to open up to an inch and a quarter, and the bullet's going to weigh 300, 350 grains. Uh, That's going to be a real hammer on whitetail, so I'm pretty excited about that. Why don't we do a black honey badger? Well, kind of discussed this a lot. You know, while we went with clear anodize, it's the best hard coat anodized. Uh, we're not adding pigment into it, making it a weaker, uh, finish. And it's, you know, it's hard to get all the blacks to match. I know Noveski for a long time had black anodized guns and parts wouldn't match. Then they even painted them black over that, which is crazy. And black to me, but you know, the guns are beautiful. Like, you know, Noveski, Daniel Defense, they all build really pretty guns. Um, I just don't think that's our thing. Everybody makes a black gun, and that's not the reason we didn't do guns black, but it did get us on this trend of just clear hard coat anodizing and try to make the guns look good, and that's just the way they are. And things change from batch to batch, and they do it with black too. Sometimes, because, you know, black anodizing is really, I think, according to Ethan, just all really super dark purple. Sometimes it's not so dark, and you can see it. I remember Bushmaster, it seems like, Throughout the 90s, all their guns were purple. Um, yeah, and I, I just not... Again, we're super back ordered. I don't particularly like black guns. I don't like black gun cases. Um, I don't see us doing it. Nabeski makes their ghetto blaster in black, and it's beautiful. The one I have is green. It's nice, too. But uh, everybody else can build black guns. That's, we're not going to get in their space with that. The fix rifle. What's up with the fix? So accessories is a huge question and we are way behind on accessories. And it's kind of like, we just have limited resources from people to machine time to cash, limited all around, just like any other company and especially startups. Um, the bipod. I can't wait for the bipod, but we're trying to work with the right partner on the bipod because it utilizes some technology we've never really done before. Um, most of that's related to the carbon fiber that is in the bipod. I want the bipod so bad, but you know, when it's ready, it's ready. The scope mounts, oh my God, I've been wanting to do the scope mount since 2010 when we did the M2010 Remington thing. We actually, advanced armament, Ethan did the scope mount there. So we'll have scope mounts coming out and the direct scope mount for the fix where you just remove the top rail. That's going to be tits. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be available. It's done. Um, You know, It's basically when the machines are doing other stuff, open up and there's time. But it's hard for us right now. I thought all this stuff would be available and I apologize and I essentially lied to everyone. But what I didn't understand was... The backorder situation that would we would start to encounter and we had a backorder on the guns for the fix for a while <coughs> excuse me we were late delivering and the orders the order velocity was very steady but once three four five hundred of the fixed rifles got out there now people have them in their hands holy crap the order velocity is way outpacing the increase in production. And we just can't responsibly increase production more than we have and still maintain the same quality. Like we shoot every single gun, engineers, the engineers that worked on the gun still assemble all the guns. There's a lot of nuances with it. And as we go through the first run of production parts and the second run, and we're making adjustments to those parts and tolerances and things, It's very important, and I've spoken about this in the past too, and I think it's critical for the continued quality improvement of the gun and our processes for the engineers to do the assembly. And they have figured so many things out, just these little nuances with the guns, the tolerance stacks, and these sorts of things, that it makes me very excited that the guns get better every single day. And, you know, we also shoot every single gun on paper at 100 five-shot groups, um, the guns, you know, we only have two guns right now, 16 inch, 308, 22 inch heavy barrel, six, five. the six fives all shoot half inch. Like you just, you, you can hardly make them shoot with factory ammo, um, bigger than half MOA. Uh, the 308 gun, it, it's not that it's inherently less accurate. We just have a very light short barrel in it and the gun's harder to shoot because the gun recoils more, um, so the guns are all sub MOA when they ship. We shoot them on paper, and if they're not, um, they come back in the shop. They get diagnosed. Um, if there's nothing very obvious, the barrels are removed, replaced, and the guns are shot again. And if the guns don't shoot, the three oh eight under half inch, the six five, if it's not half MOA generally. Um, They don't ship, Um, so it's just a process for us right now. We don't have an indoor range, so they're all shot outdoors right now. And in a lot of the country, that's not a big deal. In New Hampshire, uh, in the winter, this is very difficult. And we won't be in a building with an indoor range for about two years. So, you know, everybody's gonna have to bear with us. Like, the most important thing to me is You know, it is customer service. Um, The best customer service I can have is not delivering you a gun the fastest, but is delivering you the best gun I can. And that's not to say we don't screw up. But I'm confident every week that the guns are getting better. And I'm not going to, you know, just cash in right now and really ramp production to where we can't do the quality control and build as good of guns as we're building now. So, you know, I don't want you to ever have to contact us about your gun. And that's not always going to happen, but we're off to a pretty good start overall. Okay, barrels. Um, We source barrels from about three companies right now. Um, I don't really watch the forums, but I get some stuff sent to me and ask about our original barrel vendor. Um, we were really being raped on the price of barrels originally, which was okay because they're supposed to be the best barrels in the world. And I think if you're buying one, two, five barrels from the company that was doing them originally and the guy that was chambering them, it's probably the best barrel in the world. If you want 250 or 500 a month, they suck. We've never... We never had a uh, from our original vendor a 308 barrel that did not go in our lathe and get fixed before it was installed in a gun. So if you have one of the early guns and it's got a Bartline Thule barrel in it, once that barrel came from Bartline and then Thule, it went in our lathe and was fixed. Every single one of them. Um, We had a lot of quality control issues. We rejected a lot for chamber. Um, never had a 308 barrel meat print, um, and a lot of them shot really good and some of them did not. Um, you know, the six fives hammered for the most part, but so do six, five barrels from everyone. Um, but w- we had an issue for a year to where guns a big bottleneck for us were barrels and we are not going to be in that situation. We're not going to be held, you know, hostage uh, with one company anymore when it comes to barrels. We're not going to make our own barrels. Um, but what we found is with, with quality companies that are used to doing production levels, uh, with the barrels that we've specced, it's not hard to make them and it's not hard to make them that, uh, pass QC and get in volume. Um, for instance, one of the barrel makers now for the fix has always made our Honey Badger barrels, and we rejected 50% of the fixed barrels for the first two years, year and a half, I guess. Um, and rejected, we ended up fixing them ourselves. Uh, you know, all the 308s we had to modify. And in that time, we probably bought three times as many Honey Badger barrels, and we rejected one. Um, so I think it, it's just like any gunsmith that builds you a, um, a handmade or, you know, like a, a custom-built 700 or a custom-built 1911. Everything's hand-fitted. Have that person build you 500 a month and see how good they are. Um, next question. Are we going to build the fix to have it take an AR brace? Hell no. Um, That doesn't make any sense for us. It's just going to make it bigger, bulkier, heavier. We have a great brace for it. With that said, uh, there probably will be a 1913 or Picatinny adapter for the fix to where people want to do stuff like that eventually. Um, It's not something... That's going to be available anytime soon, but we are building the fixed pistols that ship with our own brace that we did in conjunction with SB Tactical. The Mega Fix. What is it? How? When? Where? Uh, the Mega Fix is a long action. It's going to take AI pattern mags. It's going to be a 300 wind Mag gun. Uh, the initial one that's going to ship will be. 16 inch barrel, probably a proof research carbon fiber barrel. It's going to be a very lightweight gun with our bigger butt pad on it. Um, It's really going to be, we're going to build it to be an 800 meter gun to kill stuff at 800 meters with. Uh, So it's just going to be a very practical gun. Are we going to do a 20 MOA top rail? Yeah, probably eventually, but it's not within the next month or two. Different colored plastics. Can you get those? No, you cannot. Uh, there's a couple reasons, like I don't really want to do that. Um, something that I sort of control at least initially and the little receiver wedge is what I call it. We have a different name for it I don't remember what it is, but the part that's just above the pistol grip on the receiver, that's a difficult part to install and to remove and not something we necessarily want everybody doing. Uh, so you can't order custom colors, but this is what we do. We, the customer build days are a fantastic experience. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's not really, It doesn't make a lot of sense for us other than that, other than I like it. I like customers coming to the shop. I like hanging out. I like building guns with you guys, drinking beer. Um, if you come build a gun, not only do you get to skip the line, but you get to pick your colors of plastics. I don't know how many there are. There's probably half a dozen or so you can choose from. Um, the caliber you want, the barrel you want. If you want a proof research barrel, if you want 6 millimeter, you want 260, whatever you want. Um, if you want an M-lock handguard, you can get it. If you want the short top rail, if you want the medium-length handguard, you can pick all these different things. But if you just order a gun, you get two choices. The mini-fix and 224, what is the status? Uh, we were hoping to start shipping those last month. Uh, we did not. Uh, reality is probably December. 224 is, in my opinion, turning out really great. The guns shoot great, they're super lightweight. We're doing a really fast twist for those, a one in six, where they start out like one in eight, one in seven. There were some accuracy issues with the big long bullets, the heavy bullets. Um, so a lot of people are at one in six and a half now. Ours are one in six, is good, I like the gun. Um, the mini fix, the other option that'll be available in just after that is an eight inch 300 blackout. Uh, pistol with the fixed brace on it. Um other options will be I really want like a 12 or 13 inch six five Grendel. So we'll have barrels for that available um, for the mini fix, you know, and it's it takes them four mags, smaller gun. Uh, there probably be two, two, three, five, five, six barrels. Uh, the stocks will be available if you buy a pistol and you want to uh, convert it to a rifle and the longer hand guards and barrels and stuff will be available uh, what else with the fix uh, maybe that's it silencers uh silencers who makes oh, what makes something full auto rated you know that's really a big marketing thing because you have to give the firing schedule you can shoot any titanium silencer i can make an aluminum silencer you can shoot full auto but depends on the firing schedule. You can shoot any of our silencers full auto. Um, We have a lifetime warranty. You know, if you burn one down, we'll fix it for you. I think the full auto rated is really, like I said, a marketing thing. How many people have full autos? How many people shoot them like that? Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo Shrimp will start shipping this year. The Jumbo Shrimp is our 6.5 dedicated silencer. I think it's about eight and a half ounces. It attaches to a Cherry Bomb. Um, it's a cool silencer, it's compact, it's meant for competition and hunting. Uh, it's really compact, The, the most of the 6.5 barrels are longer. So, um, it's designed for that. Uh, you know, the idea is to be hearing safe and just to not notice the shot. It's just a really compact silencer, it's cool. Uh, we talked about the 8.6 silencer some before which it'll attach to a larger cherry bomb with a standardized 338 muzzle thread that we're going to uh, you know, try to offer and with a good explanation to everybody and why that should become the standard. The silencer will be rated for Lapua Magnum and Norma Mag, so it's a 338 silencer, but it's going to be pretty lightweight. Uh, I like the silencer so far a lot, and I say so far not because I think it's going to start to suck. It's just so far what I think silencer is going to be we've built several prototypes have just really just varied the length um, so trying to come up with the good balance of the most sound but a reasonable size and, and that sort of thing we're not going to try to build a, a giant can just to so we can say it's the quietest we're going we're going to do what's practical the erector 9 so the erector 9 millimeter silencer which is a boosted can completely modular just like the erector 22. You'll be able to put a fixed mount on the back of it, um, vary the size from one baffle to 10. Uh, it's going to retail at 850 and it is 300 blackout subsonic okay. The Thunder Chicken versus the Trash Panda. I get this every day now. If... You want the quietest thing, get the Thunder Chicken. If you want something that's quiet, but the most compact, lightest weight thing, get the Trash Panda. There's really no other way to say it. Um, For me, if I'm going with a short, or I'm going with 300 Blackout or a short 300 Blackout, I like the Thunder Chicken because it gives you the quietest overall thing. And that's really what 300 Blackout, in my opinion, was kind of designed for. Excuse me. The Trash Panda, I really like for 16 inch 308 and 16 inch barrels. Then you can get away with a short silencer and it's plenty quiet. That's kind of what I like. Um, And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Just for me, that's the way I do it. Uh, Predictions on the future market of silencers. Uh, You know, I think we're a pretty good place to look. Because all these other companies that think, you know, claim to be very innovative, what do they do? They have inch and a half silencers. Next thing you know, uh, I don't know, there's three or four right now that are copying us, doing inch and three quarter diameter tubeless silencers that are robotically welded, uh, using the tapers, doing a lot of smart things. The modular silencer, we come out with the erector, and now there's probably a dozen companies offering these sorts of modular silencers. I think the future is going to be lightweight, I think this heavy-as-hell full-auto rated BS is just marketing crap, like who wants a 25-ounce silencer on their gun? Um, I think silencers are going to get more simplistic, lighter weight. The, modular, the modularity is going to start to make a lot more sense and be, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be simple. It's going to work well. Uh, It's not going to require a bunch of rods and screws and steel and heavy crap. Um, I think you're going to see what we're doing. Modularity, lightweight, simple mounting systems. You know, when I see mounts and muzzle brakes that weigh 10 ounces, it's just wrong. Um, I I think it's why we're having success. You know, our silencer sales are up a thousand percent so far this year. Uh, I think there's a reason, you know, I don't think it's just because of my clever drawings. Uh, The products are great, the products are what I would buy if I had to buy silencers. Um, That's what we designed them to. I think, you know, Ethan and I have so much experience with silencers and I have a lot with the industry and I think it's something I'm good at and I think, you know, the market sees it now and I think all these other companies and there's really good companies copying us. we're going to be trendsetters with this, and it's going to continue. And I think if you want to see where where the future silencer is going to be, it's going to be a Q. Um, direct thread or cherry bomb for a nine degree shoulder. You know, either way is okay. Just torque it, and if you can't torque it to the right spec, use some rock set or use a combination of the two. Um, Either one works fine, Cherry Bomb or Direct Thread. I mean, to me, if you're not gonna swap the silencer out, I like Direct Thread better in general. You know, you eliminate a part, you eliminate weight expense. Um, But man, the market just still really loves the stuff that attaches to muzzle devices. Plan Bs, uh, yeah, we have them coming out. I think we released the Saker one today as well, sold out in like an hour, uh, but we'll have more of those this week. We're doing the a little Omega uh, 9K and whatever else that one is, uh, doing that now. Um, you know, we may end up having them for other companies, including AAC or Dead Air or um, some of the other companies. Direct thread with taper for other silencers. That's pretty interesting. Uh, will we have rear mounts that have uh, their direct thread with our taper? I could see us doing that in the future. I hadn't really thought about it until someone sent me the question. Will we do a 22 cherry bomb for you know in silencer attachment? We could probably do a 22 cherry bomb in an erector rear mount. That's one advantage of the blast baffle being the serialized part. With that, is we wanted to be able to change out the rear mount. I don't know what that offers people, but it seems kind of cool. So who knows? Is the cherry bomb a sacrificial blast baffle in the Thunder Chicken or Trash Panda? Yes, it is. It's a 17-4 heat-treated, um, blast baffle, essentially. So the blast baffle in your Trash Panda or Thunder Chicken is stainless steel. You know, you can't weld it into titanium, but that's the way to do it. Um, silencer science. Is modern stuff better? Um... I hope I'm reading that question correctly. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Maxim, when he did the Silencer in 1908, God, he was a genius, and it's it, everything is still based on it today in reality, but things are so much better now because, you know, manufacturing, quality control, materials process, like, it's all just way better now. Um, so Silencers have gotten better, uh, and they just keep getting better every year. I mean, don't look for huge leaps. I mean... You know there there's some you know company comes out of the woodwork every year that's got this new alien technology and you know i've yet to see any of that come to fruition um you're just going to continue to see there's a lot of competition so you're just going to continue to see this evolution i think that we're seeing now um can the half and full nelson go on 90 degree shoulders absolutely they can they're designed for taper or 90 degree shoulders they work great on both They're fine with 90 degree. The only disadvantage is you don't get the, uh, you know, the improvements and the advantage of the taper, but they work on a 90 degree shoulder. Will we see sub 10 ounce rifle silencers? Yes, we will. And it starts with the jumbo shrimp and 6.5 from us. Um, Yeah, you'll continue to see lighter silencers. Do we blow up our own cans? Yes, of course. We shoot everything to destruction. All of our guns, silencers, everything. But when when you say blow up, like, um, you know, we don't, we usually shoot them until something breaks. Which in the titanium stuff, if we shoot a lot of full auto, um, the baffle material starts to um, have issues uh, we don't have explosions or blow them up generally, or have weld failures. It's just the, the material, but you know, that would be a short barrel full auto till we shoot it till it breaks on purpose. We can break any silencer any day of the week, no matter how full auto rated it is. Um, there's not a silencer out there that we can't break in just a couple minutes. Uh, if you abuse it, you're going to break it just like anything else. Um, yeah, there's a reason we also engraved the rear mount on ours. If you have an issue, you send it back. We put a new baffle core on it, send it back to you. Is there a POI shift from your cherry bomb to installing and removing a silencer? Uh, yeah, of course. Any mass that you add to the end of a barrel, you're going to get some point of impact shift. So even if you put, if you're shooting a barrel without a muzzle breaker flash hider and you put one of those devices on it, you're gonna get muzzle shift from the bare muzzle. When you add the mass of a silencer, you're gonna get some shift. Sometimes you lock up, you don't get any. Um, You know, because I I see this is a question that we'll get periodically, like once a week. Someone will say, well, Thunderbeast has no zero shift, how is yours? Like, that's just bullshit. Every company out there, you have some percentage where there's really no measurable shift at hundred yards do a hundred of them and see if there's no shift it's just it's not possible and you add weight to the muzzle you're going to get shift you know the idea is it being predictable and minimal um, caliber specific versus universal silencers caliber specific is really the way to go you know, some people like that, the hybrid, I think it's called by Silencer Co. And, you know, maybe that's because they want to shoot a 4570 or 45 long Colt or they're cheap. They only won't pay one tax stamp. I mean, I think it's better than no silencer. Um, but me or anybody I know that's got more than a couple, you just dedicate them to the gun and the caliber and the performance, is, you get the proper performance. And, uh, you don't have to have a bigger can than necessary, something heavier than necessary. Uh, you know, I would just rather have three or four of the right guns and 20 guns that are, you know, all hodgepodge, heavy, bulky, not real practical or useful for me, but I don't know that I was always that way, but I am now. Uh, are we ever going to do the black box silencer? So for those that don't know at AAC, when I owned advanced armament, we did a silencer called the black box, but we never brought it out of the, out of R and D. Um, there were some videos and stuff of it and it was essentially what spawned the, um, for silencer code doing the Osprey silencers, I think they're eccentric pistol cans. We did the first one. It was called the black box. It was a 45 can. Um, I don't know that we'll do that or not. You know, I I, I hate to say, it was a project that was very interesting to me, but I'm not sure that it's really viable now. Um, You know, the Osprey's not the most popular pistol silencer out there. Um, You know, I I, I don't know how much people care. It is a good-looking silencer. looks good on guns, but I don't know. Basic silencer education. I I don't really know what that means. Um, You know, a silencer... It's just like any other muffler. It allows, you know, hot gas to expand and cool and lose its energy before it enters the atmosphere. and That way it doesn't ignite the oxygen in the atmosphere and create an explosion and a loud sound. Um, it's, it's really all it does. It's not super magic or anything like a lot of people pretend that it is. Uh, oh, Lord. There's a lot of miscellaneous stuff. Um, who did this? four pages. Uh, okay, I'll try to get through it. Um, do, we consi- do we really consider ourselves innovators? Uh, yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I think you look at the 300 Blackout cartridge when we did that, um, the titanium silencers, the monocore silencers, starting with the Titan and the Prodigy at AAC. Uh, all the military contracts that we won, we main, made silencers really mainstream. You know, Knights did a good job with the Sopmod silencer 96 for the M4, but we silenced everything else. the machine guns, uh, the sniper rifles, uh, the 338 sniper rifles, the pistols for the Navy, you know, all the 416s and stuff. We did we did all of it. Um, pistol brace on bolt guns. that's a, that's a new one. Um, inch and three-quarter rifle silencers that are tubeless, robotically welded. Um, There's a lot of things, a lot of things. So yeah, I would say, I mean, God, look at the fixed rifle. If you can't know, you know, you don't know a lot about guns if you can't handle the fixed rifle for 30 seconds and then realize that that there's a whole lot of evolution and innovation in that. Um, Do I prefer FPS Russia or Carnicon, um, I like Carnicon. Uh, Dugan Ashley, he's hilarious. Trey and I actually had a cameo on his videos flying a Huey. Um, the FPS Russia guy, interesting. I think his name's Kyle. He's from Georgia. He lives like 15 minutes from my farm. Um, at AAC, we let him review the Honey Badger and all. I uh, I was kind of nervous. I didn't even go to that. I think I sent John Hollister um yeah his videos are cool he was early into this he had tons of followers um but i kind of like the the dugan ashley videos better um bullet weight and barrel twist that's a good question if you want to run a slower or bigger longer heavier bullet spin it faster you're going to get better accuracy and the rotational energy increase is also good somebody asked me if I had a Mac 10. I do have a Mac 10. I have a nine millimeter and a 45. The Mac 10 is super cool to me. And no little piece of trivia that is, has very little to do with the podcast. And somebody asked me this, Gordon Ingram did the Mac 10. The very first one was done in Los Angeles, California, serial number one, and it's engraved. Like, uh, I think it's engraved Gordon Ingram, but it might be Ingram, whatever his company name was, but Los Angeles, California. I would love to have that gun. That's so cool that it's, was done in Los Angeles. Um, Tapers for 22 silencers. I agree. They should be on there and we haven't done that. It's just not as critical with 22 as I think the others. And we don't build a 22 rifle, so it's hard for us to put a taper on anything with that. But, uh, you know, that's a good eye. That should happen over time. Uh, Why is our production slow? Um you know we're a small company and we didn't expect the popularity or the the um the order velocity again and you know we've kind of got a plan and we got to stick to it as best we can uh you know we're looking at kind of the long term with the company and I don't want to you know it's always a moving target but I don't want to sacrifice quality and things now that we have a reputation for just for quick money today. When will stuff be readily available? I hope it becomes more available, but readily. And I've said it before. I don't ever want you to be able to walk into a store and them have every Q product. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's something to it to me where, you know, it's part of the allure if you can't always get all of it. Um, so I don't know when things will be readily available. I want to cut back orders, but I don't necessarily care about them readily available. Silencers, that's an easy one. It's easy, it's easy to scale that compared to guns. Guns, difficult. Um, you know, and I don't want an oversaturation of our products. Uh, you know, our marketing, obviously, or at least I, I guess that's what it is, our social media and stuff is a little unique probably for our industry. And uh, I don't know. I don't want oversaturation with the product um and the culture, you know, if we turn into a production facility, the culture changes. Uh a lot of things change. We start to have have to have a lot more rules at work. And then I think we're going to lose a lot of the innovation and creativity and the excitement and the things that people love about the company, you know, which in the end what that means is we have a really good group of people that like working there and that everybody there is really smart and could get jobs at a lot of different places and you know us turning it into a production facility where we kind of shut down all innovation and stuff like that, um, I think it's gonna hurt the culture. And I think the culture is really what's probably one of the most special things about our company. Next year's products and pricing and release dates. So next year's products, uh, we'll have the mini fix, in 224 Valkyrie, we'll have the mini fixed pistol. In 300 Blackout, we will have the fixed pistol in 308 with a 12 and a half inch barrel. We will, the 6.5 gun next year will go from a 22 inch heavy barrel to a 16 inch lightweight barrel. And I think I spoke about this on one of the last podcasts. In working with Hornady, basically the 16 inch barrel shooting the 143 ELDX ammo. Uh, Five to six hundred yards, the bullets still perform terminally. So that's farther than 99.9% of the people shoot animals. So that's what we're going to go with. It makes the gun super lightweight, super handy, just like the three hundred eight gun. Will we do budget guns? Um, I don't know about budget. Like, we ain't getting in the Springfield Saint price category or, or race to that. But we... We do have something cool coming out for next year that I'm not going to say yet um, that will be a little more affordable that we will be able to produce in volume. Um, And I think the idea is there's a huge demand for our products. There's only so much we can deliver of the current product lineup. So what's something that we could do, we could deliver more of that would be a gun that we would buy that will be a great value but still more affordable into to where more people can get their hands on it. Because you know, one thing that I love is, um, you know, I, I love when I go, you, you know, to my place in Alabama or, you know, or at least in Texas and things like this, when I see somebody that's in their 70s with a silencer, that really makes me happy. But I love that young people are into guns. And I want to be able to produce stuff that, you know, maybe someone that's in school working for 12 bucks an hour can save up and buy, um, you know, that's not a $3,000 gun. So uh, a new product that we've got coming out gets me excited about that, you know, that you got a college kid that's going to be able to afford it and he's going to be able to own a Q product and it's got a lot of our innovation and you know, just the, the cool factor of a lot of what we do in it. Um, oh, next year's products pricing. There will uh, be stuff that's announced at the beginning of the year, 2019. Um, there's not a lot of real price changes. There's a couple things that price is going to change on. Um, some things are coming down a little bit in price. Some things are going up a little bit. Um, I don't think there's going to be any real surprises. Uh, How do you work for Q? Send your resume to jobs at liveqordie.com. Again, that's jobs at liveqordie.com. Send your resume there. Send a note. Um, We're we're hiring pretty much nonstop. Um, And I've discussed sort of the requirements for our... In our hiring process in the past, but that's where you send the stuff. Um, what else? Are we gonna sell QAR lowers? You know, I don't know. We did that one funny photoshopped when early on we got Instagram. That is like the safety position. I think was Remington, then semi-auto was Sig, and then full-auto was Q, M. You know, maybe one day we'll do something like that, but it's not really on the list right now. The chassis, what's going on with the chassis? So the chassis we're tooling up for now. Um, for those who haven't heard, we've got a chassis coming out in two flavors. It's for the Remington 700 to begin with. Um, looks like the fix uses most of the fixed parts. The center sections for 700 uses AI mags. It weighs... I think it weighs just over two pounds, two two and a half pounds. Uh, there's a folding stock version, just like the fix that uses a Q Serp front front end uh, handguard, and then there's an M Lock handguard one with a fixed stock, and that's going to be a less expensive one, uh, but the stock won't fold. And they're going to be they're going to be really great values as well. They're not going to be incredibly expensive. Those should be. You know, I hope the chassis are available. I was hoping Q1, but it's probably Q2, honestly. Biggest challenges in designing the Honey Badger and the fix? I should probably record this part again in the morning and ask Ethan and ask Nick. Um, You know, the Honey Badger, the biggest challenge for that was... Uh, I don't know. The stock's a little bit of a pain in the ass. Um, Probably the biggest challenge was just the ammo. Getting the ammo done. And, and that probably could have been much easier had Hornady purchased our company and not Remington. But um, that was pretty much it, I think. Probably the ammo. Because, you know, the Honey Badger is, is essentially... You know, it, I mean, its origins are clearly an AR-15 but um, most of it has evolved. Uh, But that's really probably the the most difficult thing. Now with the fix, that's totally different. I think the whole bolt assembly, and the bolt body, the striker, the sear, uh, the cam, the locking, I mean just everything on it to get the gun to be a 45 degree bolt throw uh, to be able to get the accuracy and stuff with such a lightweight gun with it being a switch barrel. Uh, it's, that gun's just a difficult, difficult gun. That's why you see people making guns that looked like it, whether it's Christiansen Arms or Remington or, you know, any number of companies now. But there's still a Mauser Remington-based gun. What we did there is hard. And, you know, we got that, the majority of that done in six months. But really bringing a product from prototype to production and to market, that's very difficult. You know, this wasn't buying off-the-shelf AR-15 parts. Um, Getting vendors lined up for that and being able to deliver Uh, and just knowing when some of the components in the fix are complex, Uh, knowing how to tolerance, how to work with vendors to get them to machine the parts that we source... Um, You know, to be able to machine them consistently with where we can measure them and get predictable and consistent uh, performance out of the parts in the gun. Uh, That's, you know, I don't know that we can, Nick will be a good one to ask, but I know I'm not sure we can answer that question yet. That might be a couple years down the line where you answer on the fix. Um, will there be more muzzle devices from Q? Yeah, there'll be some more muzzle devices. Will we have a flash hider? Like, I don't know, probably, but we'll see. I'm not going to make any promises on that. Uh, the muzzle brake for 90% of the time is the correct thing. Uh, wait time on Q guns. It's probably about seven months right now, but again, buy a gun. Sign up for a customer build day. come hang out in beautiful Portsmouth New Hampshire uh We'll have a party for you. You can build your gun. We'll ship it to your dealer within a few days that's That's the way to get it um otherwise we're working on i mean trust me, I want to take your money so but you know I also more more want to deliver uh the best product um So does the customer build really skip the line? Yes, you skip the line if you do a customer build. Innovation. Um, It's interesting. The innovation, I think, that a lot of times maybe some of you don't see or you're not going to see is um, you'll see some products over the next year or so come to market because vendors couldn't perform. You know, the barrel was a good one. Uh, you know, we struggle with other parts of each gun, um, where we'll probably end up making those components too. I think the bipod, although we weren't sourcing bipod, I guess we do buy some Atlas bipods, put adapters on them. You know, the Atlas is cool, but there's things I don't like about it. It's heavy and it's rattly. Um, it's better than most things that are out there though. Uh, but the bipod's example of innovation where we never thought we would get into, but uh we did because we really wanted a bipod and i think you'll you'll start to see more of that you know vendors that we were sourcing parts for the the honey badger and the fix for we end up helping them do a lot of their engineering um to make the parts better so let's see now we are just two random questions that were sent in uh Changing the industry, in a, uh, innovation and quality. Uh, okay, so this is somebody asking me if we think we've started a trend to change innovation in the industry because the industry was pretty stale. It was a long email, so I wrote a little short thing about it. Uh, 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 I think this was a direct message or whatever. And quality. Um, you know, I think the way that I want to market and just my attitude in general that we have to have the most innovation and the highest quality, just because of my personality or it's uh, not really marketing. You know, when I see Daniel Defense, I think Daniel Defense builds nice guns, um, but they just build ARs. But you know, I see Daniel Defense ads on everything from fricking NASCAR to every magazine to every trade show, um, and I think when you just build ARs, it's kind of the crap you got to do. Uh, You know their guns are nice. I like them. I think Marty Daniel's a total tool. I don't want to spend. You know I don't want to have to charge you double for a gun because I'm buying, you you know stuff at the NRA auction or buying full page ads and guns and ammo or you know putting my face on the side of a race car. Uh, I just think that's stupid. And, and, And I guess it works. Most companies do it, but. You know, it's not who I want to be when I grow up. So those aren't things we're going to do. Um, But, you know, innovation and quality, that's really up to the customers. If you guys buy $600 ARs, then there's going to be a whole lot of shit ARs on the market. If people demand quality and uh, innovation, then you'll be rewarded with it. You know, I can't make you... That sort of reminds me of, like, my kids. Like, you know, I I can't make them grow up to be anything really uh, trying to give them the tools to do it and the opportunity and, and if they do it that's great and if they grow up to you know I don't know be criminals and nothing I can do about it I guess um, you know like I, I don't know I think the quality and innovation is really up to, to the consumer you guys have to drive it you know I do it because I love it and I love it more than I love money So we do it. Um, But that's probably pretty rare for business owners, especially after, you know, I've been doing this 25 years. You know, I didn't start last year. My favorite bestest beer, this is. Um, I don't know, that varies. I like free beer. (laughs) We get a lot of free beers. That's cool. But I have had some free beer that was shit. Um, Overall, we have been sent a ton of beer. I think from like 30 states. Uh, you guys have been really, really cool to us with uh, the beer. We've been sent a lot of whiskey and bourbon the last year, which has been nice. Um, right now, you know, just trying to support local. Uh, Cause we go to Texas a lot. There's some Texas beers that I like. With all the micro breweries, I've become like real hipster with a lot of that stuff. But you know, shoot, if Coors Light is cold, I'll drink that, I don't care. Um, I like right now. Great Rhythm Squeeze is probably one of my favorite Stone Face IPA. Which these are Portsmouth breweries. Um, that are wonderful. Uh, th- those are two of my favorite things. Um, with whiskey, I'm not. You know, my palate's not quite as sophisticated with that. I know. You know, if you hang out with with Chris Barrett, you'll be drinking some. You know, pappy. But I'm never doing that. Um, if I'm buying it. You know I like Knob Creek, you know I like Knob Creek, because it's just like most of the bourbons in that, you know that place in the Market Maker's Mark. Any of they all the same to me. But Knob Creek's cool because they have the machine gun shoot there, so I support that. I mean that's that's pretty much with alcohol how I do it. Um, industry collaborations, you know I always am so hopeful for this, but I'm generally not great with the follow through. And there, there can be some great ones. Like, I think Us with Hornady right now is a cool one. Um, you know, I'm working with Blackpoint Tactical on some stuff I'm excited about. Uh, there's a kid that makes slings um, that I want to do some things with. Edgar Sherman, I think is his name. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of companies. Anybody that makes quality stuff, I didn't think I would ever say this, but I really enjoy working with... Um, SB Tactical the arm brace stuff because I'm really proud of you know what they gave us the opportunity to do um, you know and thank you Jeff Kramer and Alex Um, but with the honey badger brace I think that's like the best arm brace that's ever been done and so I'm real proud of, of Patrick at our office and the engineers that worked on that and then SB Tactical supporting that and now the fixed brace is so cool to me Um, so that's been a collaboration that's really good. Some of them don't work out very well, you know, like the BART line one for barrels was total shit. Um, you know, some other ones, companies have done other things for us. I don't know. You know, it's all timing and there's a lot of things that go into collaborations and, um, it's hard for it to be equitable for both parties a lot of times. Um, but when it makes sense and it works, you know, it's, it's really great. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, let's see, NFA politics. You know, I started the American Silencer Association with Josh Waldron, a silencer co at the time. And when I was fired from Advanced Armament, they threw me out and, no, I'm not very proud of that organization. All the things that we originally wanted to do as far as setting industry standards for sound suppression, going for instant background checks, all these things, nothing's happened. And it's like a it's like a frat. Um, the NRA, thankfully, got a lot of stuff changed with hunting and stuff uh, for silencers in America, and I'm appreciative for that. But, you know, I'm staying out of that right now. I'm just, I'm worried about innovation and product. I'm really a product guy. That's what I like. Like little, little Josh Waldron and Jason Schauble, they want to be, you know, senators and congressmen and stuff. Like I have no political aspirations. I don't enjoy it. I like products. Like I'd rather make greeting cards or, you know, coat hangers and do that shit. So, you know, it's important, um, you know, uh, trying to maintain and push for our rights. It's just not my thing. I try to stay out of politics for the most part. Um, future of industry innovations. Hmm, that's pretty broad. Hmm. You know, it's been pretty stagnant, but I hope you continue to see silencers. I hope you continue to see things get lighter and shoot better. Um, there's been a lot of innovation in optics and bullets in the last 10 years, and that's really exciting. Um, It's helped us to be able to shoot farther and identify targets better and, you know, have better terminal performing ammunition, which is wonderful. Uh, So I don't know if future innovations, what we'll see. I love seeing new materials and stuff used in new, you know, manufacturing, you know, additive manufacturing or different manufacturing process. It just doesn't have to be 3D printing. It can be, there's all kinds of cool stuff that's used in other industries. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, So I love seeing all that stuff in, in our industry. And that's probably, you know, manufacturing processing is probably where we're going to see the majority of innovation until we get something other than The uh, metallic cartridge. Which brings me to the next question. Caseless ammunition. No, I do not believe in caseless ammunition. Um, HK had some mild success with it. Here's a problem. You need to get the heat out of the gun. And so when you pull... Like when you fire a cartridge, you pull the brass out. It pulls a lot of the heat out of the gun. And so the brass serves a purpose in that regard. You don't really get that with caseless. So... I'm not sure caseless is good, uh, but I'm probably not the guy to ask. I'm not smart enough. Uh, Capture piston, which was another question someone asked about. So it's basically silenced ammunition where everything is captured within a, a, a telescoping piston. Um, and it's really awesome, but it's expensive and it's heavy and the ATF regulates every round. So it's a bit of a pain in the ass till we could do something about that but there's been a Knight's Armament built some guns that were captured piston and uh, super cool stuff. You can probably Google it and find some stuff on it. The military and silencers. Yeah, you know, it's really exciting. The military didn't really use silencers until about 15 years ago, Um, you know, widespread. Like it was very, very small numbers, very special operations. Uh, what's up, man? Ninety-six. That's twenty-two years ago now. I guess time's flying. Um, but silencers didn't really start to be used until the two thousands, and we were a big part of that. And they're never going back. Silencers make so much sense. They don't really make sense for handguns currently, but you know, I, I don't know that anybody cares because no one shoots anyone with a handgun. Uh, evolution of the industry culture, which I've spoken about this, and that's something that I actually really enjoy. Um, you know, the culture, like when I talk about being in high school working at a gun store and who the average customer, like whatever, 35 to 55, blue collar job, white guy, and how different that is now. That's very exciting, you know, and it's video games or any of these other things that have caused younger people to get into it, or that just the fear of losing those rights and, um, you know, liberal politicians really wanting to take guns, so maybe that maybe that encourages people that who wouldn't get into it normally. Or I'm not sure w- why there's so much exposure now, and the demographics so different, and the culture is just everything's not tactical now, and everyone sees that shift. Like shooting is more practical now, and hunting is more widespread, and um, it's a very different culture, but it does seem to be even more divided than it was before as far as the extreme left wanting to take guns. But, you know, s- seeing people, a-, a much wider cross-section, you know, demographically involved in firearms and interested in firearms and just seeing the scale, um, you know, the number of guns and, I mean, the number of NFA transfers compared to 20 years ago, you know, it's really cool to see. Uh, Ross Cathy why do I hate him I don't know this must have probably his brother or somebody sent this Ross Cathy I do not hate I love Ross Cathy Ross Cathy is uh, he's one of the Chick-fil-A grandkids that's a friend of ours and a big supporter of our industry and obviously fried chicken and uh, uh, a, a charity Sock F <coughs> which a mutual friend of mine and Ross is Dave Kramer Um, was one of the guys that stood that up. And it's a great organization that helps a lot of Gold Star families and, um, you know, special operations uh, guys and their families who have, you know, suffered some tragedies. Um, And Ross and his family, a huge supporter of that organization. So every, the stuff where I poke fun at Ross is all in good fun. Um, you, You know, what an awesome thing his family is. Been able to achieve and um, you know really admire and I, I think for myself as as someone growing up where they started all that and then being a entrepreneur and a business person as well the respect that you have for the company that they have built not only as grandfather but you know his his his. Um, his parents and then um his brother and and what a cool story so no i I totally love ross kathy and i wish i got to see him more and i wish he would put a chick-fil-a in portsmouth new hampshire so that kind of pisses me off a little bit and so yeah we actually don't let ross buy guns from us because we don't have chick-fil-a here (laughs) so he has to buy them at auction or from someone else but that's in good fun um best and worst things about the industry um, I don't know. I like shooting and hunting, so I enjoy that part. Uh, I'm a product guy, so I like innovation. But I would probably like that in any industry that I was real interested in. You know, like I love skateboarding as well, and so I, I'm super into that. Um, the worst thing about the industry, I think, just a bunch of tactical alpha males. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I I don't really get involved in a lot of the the gun culture stuff. Um. But I don't enjoy our trade shows really. I don't, I don't enjoy a lot of that part of the industry. Uh, I think we're really behind compared to a lot of other industries. The way everything from distribution to just the way business is conducted even at a retail level, I don't really enjoy it. Um, but I love the products and I love shooting and the Second Amendment and I love supporting the military. And I just love innovation. And, you know, I fell in love with guns, whatever, like 30 years ago. And I still feel the same way as I did that day. Um, So, you know, I mean, so far, you know, I've dedicated my life to it. But the industry itself, I don't really give a shit about, you you know, I don't know. I like the customers and I like the marketing and I like the product, but that, that... probably my priority um airsoft we have not licensed to airsoft but that's actually a really great idea um I would love to have an airsoft fixed rifle that would be fun um Robert Silvers that's interesting I hadn't thought about him in a bit um Robert was uh worked for me in the engineering department at AAC we gave Robert, Robert brought a lot of, um Robert's very driven and is very task and goal oriented. And uh, so that was really exciting to work with him back then. Um, he's an incredible competitor. So I really adore that about him. But there's a lot about Robert that's difficult to like. Um But after I was fired, Robert stayed on. But I don't think he anticipated I was the only one that would tolerate him, and so no one. I think he wasn't able to get anything done after I left, even though he worked there another three or four, five years. Uh, because I believed in him and I fought for him, and uh, it was a good working relationship. And I, I mean, from what I heard, no one else could deal with him, which isn't surprising, honestly. And and you know, I say that liking Robert pretty well, all things considered. Um, I mean, he's a bit of a super selfish prick. Um, But I admire a lot of things about him. But uh, last I heard, Remington fired him. And I don't know if he's working on, you know, Robert's a real smart guy. He's working on medical research or something, something totally unrelated um, that I'm sure had to do with making a lot more money. Uh, my favorite hunting ammo, Oh man, supersonic, most of the horny stuff I really like. I like their GMX, their solid copper. I like Barnes bullets, but I don't like Remington loading the ammo cause most of their loads are shit. Uh, when Barnes was loading it, theirs was good. Solid copper for supersonic expanding. I like, I like the discrete ballistics, <coughs> solid copper, subsonic expanding. And I like, um, so the horny GMX is their solid copper. I also like the Hornady ELDX and Burger also has some good bullets. Um, it depends. Like when I just went to Africa, I used the Hornady 165 GMX. They're solid copper. It worked great. And they gave me ammo for hunting over there. So thank you very much to Hornady. They generally do that every year. Um, And I actually just got that instead of the 178 ELDX, their lead bullet, just because I didn't have any when I was there and they had the GMX. And um, I was thinking GMX for hunting in Africa, but the engineers actually recommended the ELDX. But I can't imagine it'd work any better than that GMX did. I was completely happy. Optics. Uh, We will not get involved in optics. Um, Not to say we won't work with some companies to develop, you know, maybe something with optics uh it could be reticles probably for super and subsonic or something but (coughs) i'll never say never but i don't see us doing optics and my favorites for the fix i really like um that eotech voodoo 5 to 25 that little super short one schmidt's got some optics i like um I really like the Lil Pole Mark Six 3-18 and the Mark V, what is that, a 3.6-18 or something. And I would get the lit reticle because I'm getting older and so I like it at low light for hunting. And those optics are lightweight for the fixed rifle and I really like that. And on the Honey Badger, I like, um, well, and Swarovski on the fix for hunting. Those are my favorite hunting optics. Mm. Excuse me. I like... um I like, I'm the Honey Badger. I like having two uppers. I like a Red Dot, like a Delta Point Pro or an EOTech on one. And then I like a 1-6 to six or a 1-8, uh, or even a Trigicon ACOG or something, something with some magnification on a different upper. And depending on what range is there, if we're just riding around shooting stuff or I'm going to be sitting or stalking, you know, if I'm going to make a shot over 100 on a medium sized animal, then I want some magnification. Um, especially if we're trying to cull or something, I wanna get a good look at something. Uh, optics, jazz, let's see. Favorite guns. Um, you know, I'm pretty simple. I like Glock pistols. I like the Browning High Power, which some people wouldn't agree with. Um, I like uh, some of the SIG Classic, gun, uh, classic Line guns. I like that Legion uh, SAO only with the flat trigger, I think it has. The 226 from SIG, that thing is great. Um, X5 and X6 from SIG, guns that were built in Germany that I've got, I love. Uh, submachine guns, I love the MP5s, and the MP5sd, the K. I love the Beretta Model 12s for a, you know, sort of modern gun. Um I love the Beretta 38, is one of my favorite overall, and that's a nine millimeter like rifle or carbine but full auto with two triggers, one for semi, one for full. It's an open bolt gun. It's the best shooting gun. Um I love belt feds, so I like the M250. Uh you know, I like shooting the M60 actually. I've got a couple M60s, <coughs> and they're not incredibly reliable. But the guns are fun to shoot. I love most of the Soviet stuff. The PK is really cool. I love the RPD. Um, all the Soviet stuff is pretty neat. Uh, what else do I like? Um, you know, the German stuff is really cool. The World War II stuff is neat. MG-42, FG-42. I've got those, and, and those guns are so cool. Um you know, for twenty twos, I I love a lot of the Anschutz shoots twenty two rifles and stuff. Um, I love custom guns like my buddy Jared at APA built me. I've got a model six hundred that Johnny Nievesky built me probably fifteen years ago. This is a custom model six hundred Remington and three oh eight little lightweight gun that I love. Um, I really love those little Savage 200 hundred twenty five dollar twenty two bolt guns. Um, with threaded barrels, those things have been a blast the the Ruger Mark IV, whatever they're on now the little 2245 ones, I like those Um, the Camp pistols are super cool Um, I don't know, I've got an appreciation for most guns HKP9S, Korth revolvers uh, you know, the old Diamondbacks and Pythons are super cool um, one of my favorites, is uh, it the Smith 52 or something? The wad cutter, the 38 wad cutter semi-auto was neat. And I've got, I used to have a custom shop. Um, I don't know what that was called. Like a uh, bullseye or a silhouette, whatever the pistol, pistol competition was double action. That uh, was a Smith custom shop gun shot 38 wad cutters. That gun is so neat. I don't know. Just, I like all guns. Uh, oh, silencers per category that not ours. Um, I don't know. The dead air mask is super quiet, but it's very heavy in a twenty-two silencer. The element is still a great silencer from A.C. and is really quiet. Nine uh, millimeter pistol can. I think the Tyrant nine millimeter is still the best. Um, the Erector nine is gonna be the one that I like even better. You're going to get the sound performance, better sound performance, and complete modularity. Um, I like the old Mark 9 silencers from AWC, which is a big nine millimeter submachine gun silencer, a coaxial design, two inches in diameter, heavy, foot long, but they're so quiet. Uh, I like the Knights Armament rifle silencers from a few years ago, I like the Rim 4 silencers, real neat. Um Maxim silencers I love. Uh, hmm. Biggest mistakes I've made. Lessons learned. Um, I don't know. Probably haven't made them yet. You know, I think I've learned some lessons about rushing stuff to market. I think I've learned lessons about trusting, you know, bigger companies. Um... I don't know. I I think being more flexible, at least in my mind, is probably a lesson that I've learned from a lot of things. It's been interesting seeing, you know, what 41P or F or whatever did to the market with silencers because the market had never gone down in silencers in my history before until that happened, so I'm learning lessons there. Um, I think just continuing to have confidence in What I want, it seems, and and what I want and invest in and my energy and resources and we build seems to be what people want. So trusting myself more with understanding the market and that I don't need to ask people what they want or what's cool. Like I know what is within our industry. I don't know. I think one thing I've really learned is your people are really your company. Like, I couldn't be more proud of the people that we have at Q. And we've weeded out some really good people, but they weren't a good fit. And we've got a great team and what we're able to accomplish with that team. And it's just, I'm so proud. And it's really a situation where it could not be more obvious that our, our, company is really just the people, um, you know, we've developed a lot of intellectual property, but you know, I tell you too, and as I've grown and gotten older and learned a lot of tough lessons in business, daily quality of life and how inspiring that can be, um, and, and the efficiency that you can get and the dedication and how hard people work if they believe in what we're doing and, you know I invest in my people and and I love everyone that works there and I want them to love coming to work every day and I think that's obvious for the most part and it makes a huge difference in, in what we're able to achieve thoughts on 6.8 um you know I've mentioned this before 6.8 is a great killing round but you have to open up the bolt face so it becomes weak magazine capacity is limited And you really need a different mag to feed it in an M4. So these are just a lot of compromises that kind of suck. So it leads to not great reliability. You don't have a subsonic offering in it. So it's not super interesting to me. Mm. John Hollister. I love John Hollister. Um, He seemed to be a big part of AAC. What did he do? Seems like he was a instrumental in developing 300 blackout and the honey badger etc um john is one of the sweetest guys i've ever known i met john he was doing uh knife shows for ernie emerson emerson knives and i'd never seen someone so into their job at a trade show than john hollister so we became friends and he had silencers and was in the guns and he worked for the Palm Bay police department. I think it was Palm Bay in Florida. So I got him to retire and come work for me at advanced armament, you know, kind of doing our customer service sales, trade show things. Um, and back then, like I play a role as basically the face of Q now I didn't ever, I never did that at advanced armament. That was always John Hollister and Mike Mers and other people that had higher. Um, John was, you know, later became like a product manager, but uh, no, John was never involved in development of the silencers or the cartridge or the honey badge or anything. Uh, John was, he's a great customer service guy, sales, trade shows, our biggest cheerleader we could have. you know and I, I recruited and brought john to to sig and i think he's got you know sig is just a couple miles from our office and john lives up here in new hampshire and uh, after i left sig he stayed on and i think it's a great home for john i think they've been great to him and um overall he does a great job for them and they've treated him good and um you know i saw john just a few days ago and uh you know, I, I don't know. John's one of those guys you just gotta adore, but uh, that that's I'm not exactly sure what John's doing at Sig. We don't really talk about that stuff a lot, but I imagine it's the same thing. You know, that's where John's talents really lie. Um, OSS suppressors. My thoughts. <coughs> um, I mean, I think it's marketing and pretty much a joke. You know, because this says thoughts on their baffle silencer. And I've probably gotten that I guess they have some sort of marketing material that says they don't have baffles. And they stated that way back when, when they first started. And it's just bullshit. Like, if you look at one of the sections, there's baffles in it. Just because you don't call them baffles doesn't make it not baffles. I just don't take it seriously. Their traditional designs, I don't have experience with their new stuff, so this is me. Talking about their old stuff was very delicate and fragile. And we broke a bunch of them and they have baffles and they just didn't call them baffles. So the whole thing was hard for me to take seriously. Um, they're very loud. So we can take our 30 caliber silencer and just put a half inch hole through it. And we get the same amount of back pressure and sound at the muzzle. So it's just, I, you know, I don't know. It seems like their new stuff looks like an M4 2000 or something, um, and it's heavy. I I just don't care. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a joke. Um, I don't take them seriously and you know, I could be wrong. Maybe their new stuff's great, but it's not on my radar. Uh, e- EDC. So everyday carry, I believe that means I don't carry a pistol. I carry a honey badger pistol in my truck. Um, that'd be the closest thing to an everyday carry. I don't even carry a knife anymore because I fly so much, end up losing them at the airport and security. Uh, hunting with subs. I think I covered that inside a hundred yards. Good to go. Make sure that you got the right twist for your bullet weight and you're getting good groups where you can make a good shot on an animal. Um, what got me into silencers, you know, hopefully what gets everybody into silencers, which I don't know now, maybe it's video games, but mine, uh, was you know, the first time I shot a gun with a silencer. I was hooked, and you know I remember it like it was yesterday, and you know, I still feel the same way. Uh, silencers for the masses. Um, anyway, those are the questions that I had. Uh, you know, guys, thanks for the support. Thanks for the input. Um, thanks for the interest in what we're doing. Uh, I, I have a whole list that people sent for uh guests for the podcast i'm gonna try to get some of those people on um so just keep sending questions and as i have time um you know i'll do podcasts or i'll respond to it and try to get you guys answers uh anyway thanks again for the support look for new products and stuff in 2019 and uh if you want to skip that line do a customer build day come see us thanks again